In March of 2020, life as we knew it is turned upside down and our life at work or in many cases our life at work at home now was completely transformed. But Outside Magazine took the time as they do every year to honor a select list of companies that went above and beyond not just to survive but to thrive during this first year of a global pandemic. If you've been listening to Good and Grounded, you know the format. We take time to discuss an important issue our community is facing and then try to leave our listeners with one tangible way or, or maybe a couple of ways that you all can get involved to help your community and support one another. I'm Jim Licko, co-founder of the Denver-based digital marketing agency, Center Table. And I'm Laura Love, founder of Ground Floor Media and Center Table's sister agency. And we're a firm that together has been fortunate enough to appear in Outside Magazine's Best Places to Work list for... I think the past seven or eight years. So this week, uh, Jim and I decided that we might want to change things up just a little bit. And we asked three leaders who um, were also featured on Outside Magazine's Best Place to Work this past year to talk with us about this tricky topic of helping to maintain a corporate culture during what some would describe as a batshit crazy year. So all three guests that we have on today represent companies, as I mentioned, that appeared as one of the top 50 companies in Outside Magazine's annual best place to work list in 2020. And for those that have never applied, the questions are usually pretty standard, but this year Outside changed it up a bit and they really dug into how companies were being innovative and keeping their culture alive and kicking in this crazy, crazy, crazy time. Our first guest is not crazy, but he is a highly sensitive person. No, really, an HSP, it's a thing. And he also attended 30 live Grateful Dead concerts in a mere span of two years, and he makes mindfulness a priority and managed to meditate. I still do not know how you do this because I would love to be able to say I did, but he managed to meditate every day for one full year. Ryan O'Donoghue is a CEO of First Descents, which provides life-changing outdoor adventures for young adults impacted by cancer and other serious health conditions. Hey, Ryan, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. And our second guest has a life-size Where's Waldo cutout in her office, which provides ongoing entertainment uh, and is 100% convinced that she and Tina Fey could be best friends. Uh, she's also the director of HR for this tiny little a company in Fort Collins that you may have heard of called New Belgium Brewery. Welcome, Shauna. Yes, thank you for having me. And speaking of active nourishment, um, I, I like to get my nourishment from craft beer. So speaking of active nourishment, our third guest is Dr. Alan Lim. He's a sports physiologist, cycling coach, and a founder of Scratch Labs, the world's first active nourishment company for athletes. Fun fact, he helped coach President George W. Bush during his last year as president and is the only American scientist to have worked and cooked for teams at the Tour de France. Welcome, Dr. Lim. Thanks for having me. So Scratch Labs, it sounds like a pretty amazing Boulder-based company with some pretty fun perks. It sounds like you have employee profit sharing, cooking lessons, uh, daily recess knockout games, bike repair station, and an indoor bike rack. You have a dog and a kid-friendly office and um, complete with a basketball hoop and workout stations. Is that all true? It's all true, but that all kind of got thrown out the window this last year. Most of us were working from home, obviously, so uh, a lot right. of that doesn't necessarily apply. Yeah, I guess kid-friendly, dog-friendly probably did apply to many of your employees, <laughs> but just at home and not in the office. So That's right. So why we have you, speaking of that, 
tell us, I mean, that's, it does sound like a pretty big shift. It certainly was for all of us, but, but how did the team at, at Scratch Labs pivot and really support your team during this past year? You know, a lot had to change, obviously, this year. Um, we feel very lucky that we have a team that was really, really flexible, and we had a financial situation that allowed us to be flexible. Um, you know, with that in mind, a, a lot of this is, is just dumb luck, right? I mean, we're grateful that we're a company that we're, we're able to still keep the lights on. Um, and that was kind of first and foremost. That being said, when this all first started, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to keep the lights on. We weren't sure what the situation was going to be like. Um, we had enough cash reserve on hand uh, that we knew that we could, you know, bear a lot of the year and maybe even kind of put things on ice a little bit, keep everyone employed, but pause. And that was kind of ultimately the default plan. Everything else kind of then emerged from there. So I think that first and foremost, it was all about um, doing our best to take care of our people, right? And prior prioritizing um, folks rather than worrying too much about whether or not, you know, we were going to necessarily have a business. We were willing to at least go through all of our cash to, 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 to keep people safe and secure. And I think that was really the foundation of our approach this last year. Mm, I love that. Yeah, it's uh, Thanks for sharing. Hard, hard to do business without the people. So it, it becomes quickly, readily apparent that the people are the most important thing. Um, Ryan, your company, First Ascent, is such an incredible company. Um, and as CEO, I also, or at least I heard through the grapevine that you're called the wolf. Can you uh, elaborate on that a little more? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you again for having us on and, and for highlighting the work of First Ascents. We're very passionate about our work for many obvious reasons. Within our community, nicknames are an important tradition. It's one of the things that uh, we introduced uh, another stroke of dumb luck way back when the program first was started back in 2001 in the Vale Valley. There were happened to be three Brads on the program, including our founder, Brad Ludden. And uh, they were trying to navigate how to work around that, and they, they went with nicknames. And that's really evolved into such a beautiful tradition for our community. Uh, for us, um, of course, as staff uh, and, and volunteers, it's, it's a lot of fun. But more importantly, for the participants we serve, it allows them to really really kind of wipe the slate clean as they're entering a new experience together with their peers. And so they're no longer kind of tethered to, um, you know, the name and the diagnosis and everything else that goes along with it. And it, it just is, is a really beautiful um, way that, that, we, um, that we bring the programs to life. And by the end of our programs, and most people know one another by their nicknames, but not by their real names. And so that's always a, a little bit of a trip uh, when people reveal their real names uh, or their given names. So... I'm Wolf within the First Ascents community, and um, yeah, just honored to be here. It's like uh, meeting your favorite radio personality in person, like, oh, that's what you look like, you know, <laughs> getting right. a real name, yeah. Um, fo Follow-up question for, for you, Ryan, on that. Uh, you know, when the world stopped in March, um, obviously serious illnesses and cancer didn't stop. Um, you and your team doubled down to support the First Ascent's family through this crisis. What did you as a leader, as a CEO, do different, differently for supporting your internal team during this pandemic? Yeah, I mean, that was, that's, that's a tough one. We are definitely in the human experience business. And, um, you know, one of the things that we did, much like every other company probably out there that had the ability to do so, is we immediately implemented a full-time work-from-home schedule. We provided staff. 
uh, as much of the necessary supplies as we could um, to really support that environment as much as possible. You know, we researched a lot of best practices in terms of how this could be done well and how we could stay engaged with one another. Um, and, and so that was, you know, in terms of just the day to day, that was one of the things that, that we had to, to navigate as, as with so many other companies. That's great. Um, Shauna, um, as the head of HR for New Belgium Brewery, you've got a little bit different situation than the rest of us on this on this episode here with 700 employees. So, um, but you've also got pretty amazing perks that I think anybody who's been familiar with the craft beer world is is kind of familiar with. You know, you get a bike on your first anniversary, a custom bike, and after five years, you get an all expense paid trip to Belgium, and 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 you know. A 12, 12 pack of beer every week, a free 12 ounce draft beer after, you know, each one of your uh, shifts is over. Um, all of these things that could go on and on, but you, like everyone else, um, had to kind of sift your way through uh, what was going on with all the employees and, and their lives and, and, and all of that. Can you share with us some of the innovative things that New Belgium did um, uh, this past spring into the summer and how you guys kind of evolved from an HR and culture standpoint? Yeah, of course. I, I think one of the greatest things um, about New Belgium is our people and our culture. And I think had we not been so tightly knit together, I don't know that it would have gone as well as it did. So I have to give a lot of the credit just to our coworkers in general and their ability to be able to adapt <laughs> and adjust to all the changes. And they've been super understanding um, that this is our first pandemic too. <laughs> and so trying to lead through that, right? It's a first time for everybody. So. Um, one of the, I remember when we first were talking in March and it became real um, and it started to get closer. I remember the CEO walking into my office and being like, we have to get a group of people together. Like we're going to need a task team. Um, so I think that that's the first thing that we did was we got that task force together and we have been meeting every Friday morning ever since. <laughs> um, and we have a list of things that we go through. I think we've been incredibly lucky to have an on-site wellness clinic because with that clinic comes Dr. Patty and um, she is probably our number one most loved perk, if you will, at New Belgium. Um, she's been super helpful. So she really followed a lot of the CDC guidelines, which is what she does. Um, we have an incredible guy who focuses on safety within our team as well. And so he's also looking externally at what the numbers and changing because we have coworkers across the whole U.S. So we're trying to help manage that as well. But the main thing in our minds in every single one of those meetings is how do we move forward in keeping our coworkers safe? Um, as we make these decisions and um, what we can do as a business and what we're asking people to do. So I think that having that task force, one of the first things that we did, the other thing we did was we really listened to our coworkers. And part of that was just implementing pretty quickly a special leave pay policy, which gives coworkers up to four weeks of paid leave. Um, if they have some, like we were quarantining people a lot, being like, don't come to work, don't come to work if you're even kind of sick and you, we think that this is kind of an issue. Um, so we wanted to encourage the right behavior and it really did. Our coworkers care about each other. And so they're really good about raising their hand and saying, hey, I don't think I should come to work today. Something's going on. Um, and then, you know, we're, we're kind of on the back end talking with Dr. Patty and seeing when people can return to work and all of that. But it's been a, it's been a lot of tracking and communication and working through each obstacle as it comes. Yeah, it's it's interesting. You know, we have a team of about 45 and you're right. We're we're all building the plane as we're flying mm -hmm. it. Right. It's our it's our first <laughs> pandemic. And what's been important is everyone's physical and and their health. But also for us, and I'm sure it's the same for everyone on this call, it's it's our mental well-being. 
right? How do we keep people mentally engaged and contributors and support them in a way as leaders? For us, we did some, you know, we did some interesting things. We hired a coach that was trained in heart math and mindfulness. See, Ryan, we're channeling you. And, um, and trained in emergenetics. And we offered like virtual confidential sessions to all of our team members. But I do think as we look through the outside magazines list, the companies that focused on their employees and their team members' mental health from the outset really thrived. Can you guys share anything that you did that was innovative or really supported your team members during this time from a mental health standpoint? Ryan, maybe I'll throw it to you given that you're our mindfulness guru at this moment. Well, absolutely. Well, up until this year, we've had a, a just uh, as a side note, we'd have, we've had a partnership with Headspace. Everyone has had free access to that app, which is great. And we, we just encourage that in general. I think for us, one of the biggest challenges is we're a team that's built to serve. And when we were faced with this necessity to cancel so many programs based on what was going on, I think a lot of us felt just at a loss at, as to how to be of use. I mean, that's really the, the careers we chose. And so I'm just really thankful for so many of the great ideas that came to the forefront early on. So one of the things that we were able to do is secure funding um, that allowed us to repurpose members of our staff to immediate COVID relief work with organizations like the Action Center, Denver, Denver Metro Emergency Food Network, Denver Delivery Network, amongst others, because our team really wanted to be out there so long as it was safe and we were practicing all the, the right safety protocols to do so, our team really just wanted to be out there uh, contributing to, to, to be of service. Um, another thing that we did is relatively early on, uh, we contracted an infectious disease expert to help inform and update our communicable disease plan with a specific focus on COVID-19, really just to understand what, if any, program control measures could we introduce that would allow us to do some form of programming to give some kind of future orientation that we're not going to be in this forever and what can we do and how soon can we do it? And what came with that also was a beautiful opportunity to serve frontline healthcare workers. So we secured a, a really generous gift to um, to to launch adventure programs for those who are really on the front lines of COVID, knowing that they're you know practicing this the, these protocols every day um, on the front lines and they understand exposure and risk and so that was it just gave our team a lot of i think um, resilience and, and kind of fortitude to think ahead to what we can do and how we could serve whether it be today or two months from now um, i think for all of us that that came as a, a tremendous relief knowing that we weren't going to be put on ice for the entire year and Specifically, what types of programs did you did you offer to the frontline healthcare workers? Yeah, so we we hosted a a, a range of rock climbing programs, uh, some hiking, and, and most of these programs also introduced a really healthy component of yoga and mindfulness. One of the things that we were hearing from our friends within the the medical and, and healthcare community was just not enough emphasis and focus on self care. Uh, that they're really great at caring for others and and oftentimes their own self-care uh, take, takes a back seat to that. And so really it was a beautiful blend of, of, it was kind of a respite renewal style of program and kind of recharge program. And so they typically range uh, three to four days, multi-day rock climbing or surf or hiking programs this year um, with a really healthy dose of, of yoga and mindfulness. Mm, that's awesome, I love that. So Alan and Ryan, I think you guys knew each other, right? Before we ever sort of put this crazy crew together. So Alan, maybe share your your relationship with First Ascents. 
you know, I've known about Ryan's work in our community for a while now. Um, it's it's an awesome organization, and we've just tried to support, uh, you know, with, with product and just conversation and being as involved as we can be. Mm, that's awesome. I love how, especially Colorado, it seems like I, one of you may have said this outside magazine should be called the Colorado Best Place to Work Award <laughs> based on how many Colorado companies were listed. But Well, if I can just share there too, I, I, for us, it's just, um, again, we're super grateful for the support and we have a lot of uh, great endurance athletes and other folks who do fundraising events, whether it be running or riding in Leadville 100 or New York City Marathon and all of the like. And uh, I'm a big believer in Scratch myself. I, I use the products and, and in our conversations, it, obvious, it made obvious sense. Many of these uh, these athletes running and, and riding in these events are survivors. And so it's just a beautiful thing to be able to fuel them with really high quality, you know, product uh, and nutrition. And and Alan, you may remember this, but he, you know, he also has provided a lot of really helpful guidance to us and just thinking through just how do um, how do people prepare for when they're entering into treatment? And, and he drew a metaphor too, and he could probably speak to this much better, this idea that, you know, you're preparing much like you would for a race, right? You're kind of ramping up, getting ready for a big event, and then there's the event and then there's the recovery from that. And for me, that's always really stuck with me. And, you know, we have a pretty important, we have a really valuable nutrition program that we have kind of throughout our community. And I, I think a lot of um, you know, the philosophy that, that Alan and his team bring to the world of nutrition is echoed loudly throughout our community. Yeah, it seems like recovery. I, I think about, you know, we're into 2021 and it feels like it should be a new year, but in many cases, we're all still dealing with the mental health impacts that have hit us in 2020. How did that impact the team at Scratch Labs, Alan, the mental health support that you provided them or? Yeah, you know, mental health has always been on our minds. It continues to be on our minds. I think that the most important thing that we did from the outset was to acknowledge how uncertain things were. I think that as leaders, you obviously want to be confident and you want to showcase, you know, uh, your sense of control of things. But this is certainly one situation where I think some vulnerability and some um, acknowledgement that we didn't know what the hell was going to happen was really important to share with the rest of the team so that uh, in effect we were acknowledging that we were all in this together and that you know it was going to take all hands on deck not only to keep the business alive but to keep everyone safe and well um, you know like new belgium we also started a covid task force that ultimately you know was not just about you know mining and looking at the say the cdc recommendations but it became almost a bit of a social support network group and party planner uh task force um you know a big part of our culture is being able to cook and eat together um so we transformed that to getting meal kits out to our folks and um trying as much as possible to do uh these nightly dinners with uh chef bijou thomas who i co-wrote the feed zone cookbooks with uh, we had a nice partnership with alfalfas uh here in town another local boulder company and we're able to source you know uh different meal kits for our employees that we sent out and would get together for uh, these meals. Um, our next one is gonna be next week. So uh, that was a, a great way to stay connected. That's awesome. I, I, I love those concepts of trying to find ways to get people connected again, right? I mean, I think I took like a sushi rolling class like a month and a half into the pandemic and it was like 
the biggest godsend I'd ever had in my life. It was like, just do something different, <laughs> you know, that, that dealt with food and it was fun and I could drink some sake and roll some sushi or something and feel halfway normal. Um, we've done a lot of, you know, uh, virtual team building, either sip and draw where we did, you know, we brought an artist in to have us draw some things and, and, and do it on a zoom with our team members. We did an aroma acupoint, uh, acupoint therapy. Um, you know, we've done some mocktail cocktail classes, things like that. Um, Maybe a few, and there's a theme, yeah, right? I, I like just, drinking I was, seems I was to be thinking, a theme through this whole as thing. As I was saying that, I was thinking maybe I shouldn't focus on all of the drinking activities. Right. We actually did a lot of mental health <laughs> things as well. Um, but um, maybe I'll start with Shauna. What what is New Belgium? done? What kind of things have you tested as far as team building activities go, and and what kind of things have worked for you guys as a as a company? Yeah, yeah. I think that I don't know if you guys found this, but I think the hardest thing that we found pretty early on was people started getting like virtual fatigue pretty easily. So while we were all really excited to have our first shift beer virtually together or get together as a team and have our first virtual meeting, I think after a couple months of being in back-to-back virtual meetings all day, people just started to get fatigue from that. So that, that was really challenging. I think that some of the things that we did well that worked virtually really well. I think our sales team works virtually pretty well. And so they have really fun ideas and they have fun team building things that they do. Um, so they, they put together things like we do anniversary lunches typically with our folks and they get to have a lunch and we started having to do those virtually um, and have people bring things in. Um, I think for my team, we get together every Christmas and we do a white elephant gift exchange. So we had to figure out how we're going to do that virtually, which it's worked out. It wasn't the same. Um, but one of our big challenges virtually was our um, retreat because we get together every year and we have this really big retreat and we, we bring everybody in um, and we didn't get to do that. And our coworkers were so disappointed because they love seeing each other every year. And they totally knew like this is the right decision that we need to make. So we had to look at how we can do that in a really fun way. And so how we produced the, the content um, we do kind of a state of the business, state of the culture, and then we let people know like what's going on with marketing and what are the new beers that we're looking at for the next year. Um, and so we we hired actually a production company to come and film some of us to be able to do those parts and pieces. It turned out so good and it was completely entertaining and our coworkers really liked it. But we also have a high involvement planning session that we do, which really we're trying to get coworkers voices um, in the mix and get their feedback on some things. And our coworkers love to just sit around and kind of tell their new Belgian story. So we really tried to integrate um, really mixing up our groups because we had an opportunity to do that virtually and get people to know from other departments that they may not normally get to see, but then also really pairing them off in one-on-ones and saying, hey, tell your New Belgium story. How did you get here? What was your experience? Uh, which seems to be a very um, energizing piece of what we do. And we actually got really, really good feedback this year on the retreat and how that went. So that made, that made my heart really happy because <laughs> it, w- it was really hard. Um, it was a hard change for them this year. Yeah, Ryan and Alan, I don't know if you guys have any other examples of, of team building activities that you might want to share. I know our team, one of the things we found early on, and certainly, Sean, at your point, Zoom fatigue, virtual fatigue is a real thing. But um, we just carving out the time, we're so, we're so relational at our office, and carving out the time to actually get people to do the water cooler talk, <laughs> we found was important. You know, no, no agenda, no... Uh, activity just more like here's a half hour if you want to pop on great and let's just talk about whatever show you're watching on Netflix so that was one from us but I don't know you know if you guys have any other team building things you might want to share here 
I mean, admittedly, I think this is an area we probably could have done a better job. We had um, the opportunity to get out for some social social distance park meetups. Uh, I think we did two of those. I, I was able to join for one, but honestly, this is this in the in the spirit of full transparency. I think some of, of what came through in our 360 degree feedback at the year end was that we probably could have done a better job checking in with our people um, more consistently. I, I felt like we were in full-on react mode so much uh, that as leaders, I think it was a, um, I, I think we, we wanted to just keep the train on the tracks as much as possible and we could have done a better job checking in with people uh, more frequently. And I, I think we've made some, some adjustments and we're doing a better job of that this year as we know uh, the after effects of this are, are, are going to be with us to stay for, for some time. So. If anything, we learned a lot that, that there, there's more we can be doing there. Yeah, I think for us, you know, it was a lot about just keeping a, an ordinary cadence, if you will, more than anything. Um, it was about having those structured meetings occur on a weekly basis that, you know, the team was able to check in with one another. Uh, you know, it was interesting because we did get a, a bit of a summer spike in had to uh, revamp things in the warehouse, you know, kind of restructure things and actually get people to come in uh, for some extra help and to, to figure out ways that we could maintain our warehouse in a safe way. And I think that that was actually uh, pretty good in terms of team building. It gave us a, a reason to occasionally get together um, and to solve problems together. Um, you know, but like Ryan said, this is all a moving target and we were all just shooting from the hip by and large. It'll be interesting to watch our grandchildren see what they read about us, right? In, in school at some point about how as business leaders, we handled this pandemic. And, and that's something we talk about as a leadership team. Like we failed, there are places that we have failed and we know that and how do we learn from that? And it's funny, it's embarrassing, but it's funny that Ryan, to your point, we're a communications company. And one of our biggest lessons in this is you know, it's harder when you're not next to somebody. We didn't do as good of a job as we could have in communicating out in a regular cadence with people because we're not right next to them walking to the bathroom or to the kitchen. And so I, it just makes me curious to, to this group, like what are the failures, if we're all vulnerable and open enough to talk about it, that we've experienced and, and what did we learn from this? I know, Ryan, you sort of already owned your, your vulnerability, and I appreciate it because I share it with you. But Shauna, anything for you guys that, that has come up as, you know, we call them failures or we can call them an opportunity for growth, but something that you have learned. Yeah, so I, th I think what I keep hearing is we're all kind of hovering around the same two things, which is our ability to be vulnerable in all of this, which has been really, really important. Um, and that's feedback that we got from our coworkers. I think that they wanted to hear us say that we're struggling just as much. Um, and I, I remember, so we have these all staff meetings once a month. And I remember telling a story about how I had walked into my CEO's office and I was like, I am a complete mess. I'm like overworked and I'm exhausted. And, and he did what he should have done, which is say, well, how can I help? But my real answer was, you can't um, because this is on me. And it started to get to that place where just you're starting to live where you work and it all just meshes together. And it's so easy to just dive back into work again. But I know I'm not the only one who's experiencing that. All of our coworkers were experiencing the same thing. So part of that um, was just not only giving our coworkers permission, but telling them, give yourself permission to walk away 
and to take that time because it's so incredibly important. And so that's the piece that not only I have to keep reminding myself, but I keep trying to say to my team and to our coworkers um, more broadly, we have to give ourselves permission to walk away, to exercise in the middle of the day, to take a break on the weekends, right? To not always be looking at your email um, because we're the only ones that can really control that at the end of the day. Yeah, I'll echo Shauna's statement. You know, we were all working too much. None of us had good separation between our, you know, monitors and the rest of our life, right? We were all just uh, constantly on sending emails to each other at freaking weird times and then re actually responding to one another, which was really bad because it just perpetuated uh, all of this craziness. Uh, it shows, you know, in a lot of ways how motivated the team was and how much everyone really cares. But what we ended up having to do was we ended up having to call a scratch day off. And by October, we actually picked a day. It was like a Wednesday where we just shut down the warehouse. We shut down everything. And we sent out an email to all of our customers telling everybody to, that we were taking the day off and that, you know, that wasn't necessarily a bad thing. So we, we ended up leaning into it and just kind of acknowledging that we all needed a, a break and we all needed to turn off. That's awesome. I, I read an article recently about the virtual commute to work that people have been doing because they need that separation between, you know, not just waking up and re diving into the newspaper and emails right away, but actually, you know, walking around the block or brushing your teeth and considering that your your uh, commute to work because you need that separation somehow. I totally, I'm on the same page with you there. Um, along those lines, I mean, it, I think one of the biggest things for us and our employees on top of all of these things that we're talking about is especially the people with kids, they went to remote school or people that were caring for uh, family members who are ill or things like that. It just exasperated everything, right? And I, one of the things we found is um, we were immediately were able to offer flexibility for some of our full-time employees to become um, less full-time or maybe part-time in some way, 50, 65, 75% FTEs. And that was important for, for us and our team to have that flexibility. And, and you know, one of the things I think we saw was the companies that, that thrived or at least did well uh, were those that were able to have a high level of agility and flexibility. Um, can, can, I, I, I don't care who starts here, maybe Ryan, you could talk a little bit about experimenting with new ways of working and, and the work-life flexibility, um, you know, as, a, as a direct result of the pandemic. What, what have you guys found that has worked uh, in, in that being agile aspect? Uh, that's a great question. I think we historically have a very flexible work environment, and I think that I think um, played in our favor. Uh, I think that's one of the things that's great about working at First Ascent is that we value the healing power of adventure, and we encourage it uh, frequently in, in the lives of everyone who's involved with the organization, including our staff. And so. Um, you know, I, I think the important part is if someone's going out for a run, a hike, a mountain bike ride, or whatever the case may be, it's just encouraging that and, and you know, more and, and knowing that people are so committed to the work that they're going to put in an extra hour or so at the beginning or the end of the day, just, you know, to, to keep to keep things moving forward. So I think we just kind of leaned into that that same level of flexibility and autonomy that that has been working for us for quite some time. Um, but I, I, I'd be lying to say that we had major innovative initiatives surrounding kind of flexible 
Uh, it, we're small, so I mean, the idea of, of a lot of folks kind of going part time and things of that nature wasn't a really great option for us. But um, we evaluated as many options as we could, and we decided to keep the keep the team just kind of you know burning hot as as much as we could, and um, and also just kind of leaning into that that belief that people need to spend time outside. <laughs> Yeah, I, we had some people that did opt to, you know, go 50 or 75% because they were homeschooling. And I think laughing, they said at the end, if you just hire us a teacher, we'd be happy to come back up to 100%. Right? It's like, oh, please. So I think that was, it's a juggle. And if, if you go in with that culture that we're just going to be flexible, it certainly offers people that room to do it. Shauna, how about you? Anything that you guys did on that piece? Yeah, so I think being flexible was part of New Belgium's culture. It has been. We've been really open to um, what our coworkers need to do and working from home and those sorts of things. What was what became really clear to me this last year was that we never actually wrote it down. <laughs> right? We've always considered it and we've always kind of had the conversations, but we never wrote it down. So <laughs> I created a flexi work at New Belgium policy, and there's three ways to do it, which is flexi place, right, where you can work, um, flexi schedule, which really is giving coworkers that ability to maybe work a few hours here and a few hours there, but for those parents who have to be there a couple hours a day to help with some school stuff, then that then they can do that. Um, and then flexi role, and that's about what you guys were talking about, which is maybe reducing your hours overall, whether that's on a part-time basis or maybe that's permanently moving forward. That's something that you're interested in doing. What I found was kind of going back to what I was saying before, and I think it was more about giving yourself permission to raise your hand and ask the questions. Because I do think all of our people want to work hard. They want to be a good part of their team. They, they want to get the work done. And so to have to raise your hand and say, oh, I've got to help my kid and I can only, I really, it's becoming a stretch for me to try to do both. But to say, hey, we have this flexi work policy and it's written down and that gives, right, that helps somebody else raise their hand and at least ask a question and have the conversation. And that was more the intent behind putting it on paper more than anything else. Yeah. If you put it on paper, it's real. It's real. Yeah. yeah. It's you real. You can't change it at that point. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, I think another important aspect to that is to be able to model that and to be able to demonstrate that. For example, we always talked about, you know, taking time to be active, to get out for bike rides or runs in the middle of the day. We had an unlimited paid time off policy before all of this started. And, you know, one day one of my employees came to me and said, you know, you need to show up in your kit more, meaning my cycling kit more, because I wasn't necessarily modeling that or talking about that, despite the fact that it was part of our ethos and that people were still afraid to do that sort of stuff if they didn't see the leaders also doing that. Um, so in some ways, COVID was a blessing because it forced us into this new structure and to a structure where we were primarily working from home and it gave us an opportunity to talk about going for a bike ride in the middle of the day to clear our heads or to model some of the behavior uh, that was necessary to, to, to care for others, right? Um, as well as yourself, right? And to kind of set the right example for that. It's also kind of demonstrated that it is possible for much of our staff to uh, work from home and it's making us rethink about how we re-enter the world after COVID is over and how many days a week do we actually need to be in the office? Yeah, I think that's an interesting, 
you know, an interesting thing that we are learning or I am learning as a leader is, is that, you know, you're in an airplane, you take the oxygen mask first, right? We have to take care of ourselves and model the behavior if we want other people to. We work in the crisis business, so there isn't a nine to five. Well, none of us have a nine to five job, but there isn't a nine to five. Crisis love to happen at four o'clock on a Friday or on Thanksgiving Eve. It just is what it is. But, you know, I, if, if our team members see me sitting there and not getting out and taking care of myself, then how do I expect them to? So I, I look back at this and I think about the leadership things that I have learned, right? The, the big L lessons that we learn as leaders. Um, and I ask you guys, like looking back on this, maybe six months from now, a year from now, what, what leadership lessons will you walk away from this pandemic that you hope to carry forward? You know, I think for me, it reinforces something that we were doing beforehand, and I don't think we would have survived uh, this pandemic without, which is a very, very clear vision of where we we're going, right? Um, you know, we set out uh, right now a, a vision towards 2028, and it was leaning really hard into that vision and asking ourselves what things could we do um, in the meantime to continue to work towards that goal that was really, really important. Having people understand that vision, being on the same page about that, knowing where we're going allows you to then make the changes you need to continue to set on those goals and maybe even to re-ask yourself what those goals need to be. So for me, it's, it's, it's all about vision and ultimately that's kind of my most important role in the company is to be able to kind of wave that flag for where we are going. That's right. And less is more. It makes you really get back to, I think, what makes you happy as a leader and that's setting the vision and inspiring others. Ryan, how about you? Yeah, I think there are a lot of lessons from this year, particularly for leaders. I think, you know, Alan, you touched on one, it's, that's modeling the way. I, I think we can always do a better job of that. and and. I think that creates the, um, I guess, the the freedom for others to feel like they can do the same. For me, so much of it was acknowledging really big events that were happening from a place of some vulnerability and also from a place of not necessarily having a good initial response to it. Just kind of sitting with this, the, you know, again, there are so many things happened in 2020 beyond the pandemic that required many of us to look inside and really understand, you know, I guess our relationship with many different aspects of um, social unrest, our, our role in it, all of it. And I think that stuff can be really uncomfortable as a leader. And I think that I've, uh, on many occasions felt very uncomfortable even just sitting down to write that email to the entire team. But then doing it, taking the time, acknowledging big events, even events as recent as two weeks ago, and then kind of witnessing the response and the relatability and the empathy from others, I, I thought was really important. And so don't be afraid to, to lean into some of the hard stuff. I think it can be easy to avoid, especially when there's a lot of great things on the horizon and beautiful vision in place. Um, but I think for me, that's just be transparent, be vulnerable, um, acknowledge what's happening in the world outside of your, your work. Um, and I think for me, that will stick with me forever. Mm, yeah, leaning in, thank you. Shauna, anything on your end? I think we've, we've kind of touched on a lot of them um, for me personally that I've had to learn, which is being a good example for my team. And 
I, I'm willing to work hard, but I don't want to do it at the expense of <laughs> my own ability to be healthy and, and ready to, to help my team. I think the commonality here is that, you know, you can't fake caring, right? And that even though uh, we are all hard pressed to come up with good solutions and good answers, I think that there was a sense that um, everybody here, we all care deeply about getting through this and that you can't fake that people people see that they get that and they're willing to participate in solving those problems with you that's awesome and, and that actually tees up our last question this has been a fun conversation guys so thank you so much for joining but um we we like to end every episode with one cool thing just a high note something that's positive and so i'll, I'll put that out to you guys and, and let you think while i answer the question which is basically what's the one thing that has come from this pandemic that you kind of hope sticks around? You know, what's the one thing that moving forward, you're kind of like, oh, that that's a change that was actually good. And for me, I think it, kind of what you were saying, Alan, both from a, a, a business owner as well as just a, a community member of of caring, I got to know my neighbors. Like I really, I really didn't know my neighbors that well. You know, I kind of exchanged phone numbers and kind of knew their dogs' names or whatever, but I didn't really know them. And spending more time outside and, and on front porches and, and waving at people as they go by is something that uh, is a cool thing for me that I kind of hope sticks around and, and people continue to put value in moving forward. Um, are there any other thoughts from you guys about one cool thing that uh, has come from all of this? I'll jump in and give you guys just a minute more to think, but I will say one cool thing that I've realized is looking back like many of us did as I rushed from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting and there was no pause. And I think I've appreciated the coolness of the pause and how many things can simply be accomplished by picking up the phone and going on a walk and talking to a client or a coworker and just being real. Um, you know, and so I will think that I hope that the cool thing that stays with me is just appreciating the pause. I'll jump in real quick. I think the recognition that technology is both a blessing and a curse right so i think zoom love hate relationship of course i think many of us have that but very thankful for being able to connect with for instance friends and family uh during times that otherwise we wouldn't and i'd like to be able to carry that forward too there are going to be many times in the future where we're unable to be with our loved ones and our friends and even colleagues i think there is there are meaningful ways that we can connect through technology but again at the same time a reminder that sometimes a call is just as effective while you're walking the dog around the block as jumping on and staring at the green dot right so just kind of an appreciation for what technology offers um, and some mindfulness around putting it to use as a tool and not letting it consume us entirely. For me, you know, one of the biggest, best things is I got to, uh, even though I was stuck at home most of the time, I got to live in my community for once instead of being addicted to my united mileage status. Right. You know, <laughs> um, and I realized that I, I flew unnecessarily way too much over the last decade. Mm. United appreciates it. Your community probably loves you being at home a little bit more. <laughs> Shauna? I, so I'm sitting here, I'm going back and forth between two things. I think the thing that's been really good for me is I'm a sleeper and I'm not a morning person. So to not have to, I feel like I get to sleep in more. And so I don't have to jump out of bed because by the time I'm getting up now, it's when I was usually hopping in my car heading to work. So <laughs> that whole window has really shrunk for me and it's translated to more sleep, which I really value. 
I'm with you both on the travel and the, the sleeping. Uh, wow, those, those hit home for me too. Yeah, well, Alan, Ryan, Shauna, thank you so much. I know you could have been any place else today um, outside of talking to myself and to Jim, but we certainly appreciate your leadership and your knowledge and your insight and helping us create a better culture and community here in Colorado. And if you guys like what you heard, you can find us on goodandgrounded.com. Uh, we're on Podbean, we're on uh, Spotify, we're on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts, check us out. Uh, and in the meantime, go buy your beer from New Belgium, go uh, support First Descents, uh, and, and go buy some uh, tasty foods and, and recovery foods from, from Scratch Labs and support these local businesses. They're all amazing. Mm-hmm.